Hello and welcome to Meandering with Myrn, a potpourri of podcast by me, veterinary ethologist Myrna Milani. Join me as I ponder any and all things animal and human, what we know and what we don't, where we've been, where we are, and where we're headed. What is the fundamental role of companion animal problem solving? That question popped into my mind as I thought of all the dogs and cats attempting to cope in areas ravaged by floods and wildfires and other forms of habitat destruction. Many of these dogs and cats also must cope with altered behavior in any wildlife that shares those same environments. What help do our dogs and cats get in this regard from us? If you consider the current lineup of dog and cat puzzle-solving toys, you might think boredom, overeating, or eating too fast are the major problems contemporary dogs and cats need to solve. These are good for controlling some of the effects of their unsolved problems, but they often don't address its cause. If you ask some trainers or laboratory-based animal behavioral researchers, they'd say companion animal problem-solving is the animal's ability to repeat some problem-solving technique that trainers or researchers taught them. Animals who mastered these human examples of companion animal problem solution are labeled good problem solvers. Those who don't are perceived as less intelligent. But what are dogs and cats agree with these human-developed processes to determine the role of their animal-solving ability? I doubt it. Recall that animal behavior is context-oriented and purpose-driven. The fundamental goal is to fulfill one's basic needs in any given physical and mental environment using the least amount of energy. For many of us first-world humans lacking the skills to solve our own problems, that means finding the right how-to guide and tools to do it ourselves, Either that or hire someone with the necessary knowledge and skills to solve the problem for us. I think it's safe to say that most researchers who study animal problem-solving ability and tool use without human guidance or interference would consider the average companion cat or dog sorely lacking especially when compared to master problem solvers like crows and other corvids, and some primates. But I also think we need to put companion animal responses in the context of their co-evolution with us over thousands of years. Many contemporary companion cats and dogs share the same problem. Lacking the wherewithal to exit and enter our homes freely, they're essentially trapped in our environments and subject to our whims. Their problem, 
how to get what they want using the least amount of energy in this physical and mental environment is the same. But how they resolve it may take different forms based on their different human-animal shared behavioral and bond heritages. Beginning with the companion cat, I suspect that from the feline perspective, their primary motivator from the beginning was the answer to the question, what can this person do for me? Thinking of all the cats I've known over the years, I suspect that many cats view us first world humans as the feline equivalent of an animate Swiss army knife. Yes, we may have the potential of a $369 Victorinox 1.6795.x8BT Swiss Army Swiss Champ 82 Function Pocket Knife Malty available at Amazon.com. But the gap between what we could do to meet feline needs and which we actually do may miss the mark completely especially if we expect our cats to act like little dogs or babies, unless they're in the mood to assume that role for their own reason. Though this may superficially appear like a self-defeating feline strategy, consider its context. If you possessed a feline spirit and your human-feline evolutionary history included periods in which humans kicked stones, set a fire, or crucified your kind for displaying the same normal feline behaviors that saw your other ancestors elevated to the level of gods, this could influence your most deeply entrenched views of people. If this mixed history with Homo sapiens helps support the persistence of qualities, such as a solitary nature, predatory skills, and nocturnal orientation that predisposed your feline alter egos to survive on their own should the need arise, this also would affect your relationship with people. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say the cats only want to please us like some folks say about dogs. Doing so would not be an evolutionarily sound feline strategy. As history has proven time and time again, humans are too unpredictable. Compared to cats, we're a capricious lot. The human-canine relationship, on the other hand, has been driven by the answer to the same human question for centuries. What can this dog do for me? As time goes on, the answers to this question have multiplied as dogs fulfill those human desires. At one time, assuming the role as an early warning of potential predators or other threats would suffice to fulfill the dog's function. Then herding, hunting, and actual protection were added to the lineup. Later, their ability to earn accolades for their people in contests of one sort or another was added to their growing do list. Today, we also can add an ever-growing list of services that may elevate some dogs to the level 
primary emotional and physical caregivers for their people. Services many of the dogs bred and trained specifically to perform these functions do well. As far as finding solutions to any problems these dogs may need to solve on their own, we consider this a distinct possibility. In certain situations, this is exactly what we want them to do. Some of their feline friends might caution these canine human caregivers extraordinaire, watch out for being elevated to a god. It doesn't end well. Often where others see canine or feline problem behaviors, I see sometimes incredible problem-solving ability as they seek to achieve stability in challenging environments. Environments that simultaneously create problems for them and limit their ability to implement energy-efficient solutions. Sometimes their thought processes and solutions are mind-boggling. Consider the plight of a small, shy female cat living in a neighborhood filled with free-roaming cats and miscellaneous wildlife. Did she pee on the couch on which she sat, peering out the window at the trespassers with her tail twitching angrily? No. She marked a small, out-of-the-way patch on the resident male German Shepherd's big, poofy bed that faced that same window, a bed with which she otherwise had no connection whatsoever. Because she and the dog were best buds and he protected her outdoors, I assume she engaged in decoy marking to ensure his protection inside, too. Then there are all those cats who steal money and jewelry. Perhaps they're saving up for a cruise should the opportunity arise. I've also encountered several dogs who have made creative use of rocks to upgrade their territorial marking. One collected and moved rocks to a fence boundary and peed on them instead of the ground. Another dog used the area behind a group of rocks the neighborhood dogs all peed on as a safe haven. The nice thing about porous rocks is that the urine scent doesn't fade as fast as it does in the soil. Yet another group of dogs would pile up rocks, pee on them, and use them as sentinels, apparently to help them perform their protective duties. I consider these and similar displays good examples of inherent feline and canine problem-solving ability. And I fervently hope that a time never comes when what they can do what we taught them overshadows their ability to think and resolve problems on their own. You've been listening to a podcast by veterinary ethologist Myrna Milani. For more podcasts, commentaries and books about animal behavior and the human-animal bond, and links to behavior and bond sites, check out my website at www.mmilani.com. 
For more specific information, feel free to email me at mm at mmilani.com. All rights related to the content of these podcasts are retained by Myrna Milani. The background music, Molly on the Shore by Percy Granger, is used with permission from Katova Arts, www.katova.com.